Welcome to the Veloce Podcast, fast and fluid conversation with Kat Empey and Richard Bott. Hey everyone and welcome to the Veloce Podcast. It's episode 28 and it's Kat and Richard again. Hello. Um, so thanks for coming back and listening or watching us, depending whether you're listening to us through a podcast or on the channel, the Veloce Driving Channel as well. So um, yeah, we've had a busy week, haven't we? It's been a bit, bit um, manic. We've yeah. done about a thousand miles, probably more, haven't we? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but that's the way the game is sometimes, um, going from track to track, coaching, that kind of thing. So yeah, we've done done quite a bit. Um, we've mentioned before how we, we um, are now working in conjunction with Speedworks, who are works touring car team. And we're running all their simulator side, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so we've been just working on the advertisement campaign because um, what we want to do, anybody who's heard of iZone, uh, we want to be the northern iZone, I suppose, <laughs> uh, where we do true individual programs for, for anybody from somebody who wants to have a bit of fun on a sim, you know, in a true works uh, team environment to somebody who's practicing for their racing or whatever it might be. So um, we've been doing quite a bit of work on that, haven't been we? Doing a bit of that, um, yeah. It's great going on the sim. I mean, I can spend my life on the sim there because it's so realistic. and It's huge, isn't it? Um, yeah, it fills the room. It does. And it's it's very immersive, isn't it? So, it, it I mean, we have a simulator at home that we use for coaching, which is brilliant. But the difference at Speedworks is it's very immersive. So you really, really do feel like you're in the car. Um, so it's brilliant for so many different things, but not just the technical element, psychological element of, of driving as well and being put under pressure a little bit too. So, so yes, we've been working on that a bit, haven't we? Um, been doing a bit of that, yeah. And we've got a lot going on with Lochi. Um, so we've been uh, putting tours together for a while now, but because of COVID, we had to put everything on hold and we're adjusting those tours for 2022. Uh, but we're actually uh, working with another company doing a tour in October, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, it's called Sweet DNA, and they're a private travel company, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they don't really do. They, they've done the odd thing with cars, mm -hmm. uh, just because some of their clients and one of their one of the guy, one of their investors, I think, is big into his cars. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we're doing some stuff with Sweet DNA. Yeah. Um. And what's the um? Where's the tour? So it's only a short tour, which I think you know works quite well. Um. Essentially going down through France, staying in some fabulous places. Um, which is kind of sweet DNA's sort of stock in trade really is really high-end luxury hotels yeah. so there'll be wine tasting and lots of good food and stuff like that but we've also got a morning exclusive on the club circuit at Magni Corps yeah which so sadly not exciting. the full Grand Prix track no but, a bit more... be, but to be honest it'd be big enough it will. Um, and the thing is it, we want to really incorporate the driving element um, in these tours you know there's a lot of driving tours out there but go through some of the coaching side and on the track do the coaching and you know bring that into it as well but at the same time make it a fab short holiday and mm. a lot of fun so so we've been working hard on that and there's a bit of a list here of things we've been doing because we're also working on a driving academy now there's yes. lots of academies out there um like in uh, air quotes and the reason i say that is because there's a lot where they call themselves an academy they're not like a football academy where it's it's complete with each area so we're getting um experts together aren't we in each in individual element as such and we're going to create an academy that we can put young drivers through coming out of cars into cars and affiliate with some big teams 
so some structure there because um, a lot of people get lost um, when it comes to especially moving into cars because suddenly there's so many different formulas isn't there mm. and it's it's hard to think do I do formula four do I go off and do genetics or whatever it might be so we bring structure in there management media side of things as well um, but of course the technical coaching the physical coaching uh, emotional coaching so yeah so lots going on there too which is all very exciting isn't yeah, it, really? yeah it's all um, so it's embryonic really, stages at the moment is it but it's getting there yeah and something i've got to announce i'm going to be uh one of the judges on formula woman so um formula woman originated gosh when did that first come it out it must be it's, it's over 10 years ago isn't it i remember oh, with well, master rx8s well i so i drove the safety car for the first round i <laughs> i start i was an instructor for them a judge for them when I was 17 years old and I'm 34 now so <laughs> somebody else can do um, the maths on that <laughs> yeah so what's that 17, 17 years? years ago yeah. yeah so um so this time it's very different to the W series so anybody that's heard about that uh very very different because this isn't really aimed at people with loads of money that have done lots of racing before um to qualify this is really for anybody that um, is passionate about motorsport, wants to get into it, has perhaps done some track days, or you don't even have to have done that, to be honest, um, but you really aspire to be a racing driver. So um, so it's a competition. Um, it goes all around the country, um, and we judge on various different elements. Um, and then the, the prize is you get um, to race, race a GT4 McLaren so McLaren have got involved in this um, so there'll be two GT4s and you'll get to race in the GT Cup but for the people that don't win there will still be management programs in place so it's not just you get dropped and that's that so really excited to be involved in that it's a really good time for women in motorsport um, and I think times have changed so much that this is a much much bigger deal than last time it's a real global effort so it'll be really exciting to see it's all televised as well so for anybody that doesn't want to get involved but wants to watch it it'll all be televised so you you uh, guys and girls can watch that as well so, so watch this space on that yeah exactly so also other things we'll be doing i can't believe this week it's been a, yeah, bit, it's crazy. Been a bit of a mental week so yeah. we've been at millbrook um and actually we've had quite a few inquiries about millbrook um so we took a lovely gentleman tim there who'd not been before yeah um, and we shared it didn't we so we did, i really, did yeah. i did the uh the track based stuff so the hill route and the handling circuit and you did the dynamic side of things, didn't you? Yeah, so bits of skidding and um, sort of, there's some great facilities at Millbrook where you can isolate individual bits of technique, isn't there? So we did a bit of that. Um, and then it's, it's the high speed bowl and stuff like that. So you can you can do so much there uh, and cover a lot of ground in quite a short period of time, can't you really? Absolutely. Just absolutely. kind of build a foundation for people to, to then go on. So Tim wants to go on and do some um, track days and stuff like that. So hopefully we've built him a, a bit of a foundation. And, and he then wants we go to go to, racing as and well. And he wants to go racing. So when we go on to a track with him, he's, he's already ahead of the game a little bit with his understanding of what, what, why he needs to do things certain ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's been really great working with Tim. Um, and we like to work with people long-term if we can. Um, obviously it all depends what somebody wants to do, of course, but um, yeah, so with, with Tim, he's gonna be a long-term client of ours, hopefully. 
Um, and yeah, we're going to see if we can take them all away. So that'll be yeah, fun. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So the big thing then, moving on, is um, we've been we've, to Brands Hatch twice. <laughs> we've been to Brands Hatch, um, the Porsche Festival, which is a massive festival. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. so you like Porsches? How yeah. long has it been going on? I don't for? know how long it's been going on for. To be honest. Oh, okay. I, I thought you might know that. No. You've got random facts. And yeah, no, no, I don't know how long it's been going on for. <laughs> a, a, okay. a good while, I think, though. To be fair. Yeah. It's organised by Porsche Club GB, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've seen as many right-hand drive Porsches no, ever. It was astonishing. In my entire life. Everywhere you look. I don't think I saw any other type of car. Oh, there was a Lamborghini in the paddock, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but everything, I mean, so there was a lot of car clubs there, Porsche car clubs around the country there. Porsche GB were there themselves promoting stuff. Um, there were there was actually the Porsche Experience Centre doing hill routes on the Grand Prix side of the circuit which wasn't live so they were doing passenger rides which we've been involved in many times before but obviously couldn't be because we were coaching instead um but it was just a brilliant weekend super hot i mean to be honest as a spectator it's in kent so obviously it depends where you're located but it's one of the best places to go watch because you oh, can is. see the whole track yeah you can it? sit on the grandstand at paddock can't you sort of the first corner and see the whole track pretty yeah. much there's, yeah. about, there's about 50 foot that you can't see. Yeah, <laughs> for the rest of it you can. You can get on the inside, outside, and actually there's a tunnel you go through, um, and that tunnel was um, filmed in Rush. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he was chatting, when Nicky Lauder was chatting to um, Claire Egazzoni. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be a, a poor car, but it's not. It's the, yeah, <laughs> the so it's the tunnel. tunnel at Brands. Uh, yeah, well, a lot of filming was done at Brands. It was also done at uh, Cadwell. Snetterton, um, things like that. So, yeah, if anybody knows their circuits, they'll probably notice that if they watch Rush again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so thousands of Porsches. Um, but tell us a little bit about, obviously, there were some big names there as well. Yeah. Some very big cars. Yeah, I mean, the racing was electric, cars. wasn't it? Anyway, the racing we'll, was brilliant. We'll talk about that. We'll in a talk minute. about that in a little bit. So, but what Porsche did was they had a 917 Can Am car, which yeah. was a 917 Turbo. Um, I think Mario Andretti said it had more power than God. And it was the car that killed Can-Am in America. Because in Can-Am uh, was a racing series in North, just in North America, Canada and America, Can-Am. Um, and you could do what you liked. There were no restrictions on whatever you, whatever you could do. And at the time, they were quicker than Formula 1 cars, Can-Am cars were. Uh, and McLaren dominated it for, for a while. Uh, and then Penske with Mark Donaghy built his 917 Turbo that had 1,200 horsepower. Yeah. And, of course, he won everything with that. And that was kind of finished. Can-Am, I think... Kind of runs, yeah. yeah. Trans Am, don't they, as well? Over yeah. there, but um, but yeah, so this thing was just a monster. And I remember Richard Atwood told me years ago that he drove it up the hill at Goodwood, yeah. And um, he said to Derek Bell, you know, he was a bit worried about the power, so Derek said, Don't let it come on boost. <laughs> if he even thinks about coming on boost, change up <laughs> <laughs> because a wheel spin, at yeah, because it was just so a was monster that, that, that wild. So a bloke tentatively drove that round. Yes. But yes. the best car, I think, that was there for me, um, 956962, uh, of my, oh, they were the Group C Porsches. They're my, well, yeah, I love yeah. those things. I think that's because when I was growing up, that was the cars that were running at Le Mans. Yeah. Um, and the, probably the most famous of all those cars is the car that, that still holds the outright let record around the Nürburgring. Yeah. Six minutes 11, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Which was Stefan Belloff in a 956. Yeah. Um, so Porsche have beaten that 
in theory with a 919 Evo, but of course that is a totally different kettle of fish to an aluminium chassis. Yeah, exactly. Much older. <laughs> 956, the downforce. Exactly. So that was going around with Jochen Mass driving it, who was a factory driver at the time. I think he was Belloff's teammate, actually. Yeah. Um, that day. Yeah. Was that him or Derek Bell? Yeah. Um, and he was James Hunt's teammate. In 1976, so the film Rush, yeah. <laughs> Jochen Mass is also in that. Yeah, well, he's not so, obviously, he's some so bloke with a wig on. After this podcast, <laughs> it might be worth watching that again. Yeah, <laughs> you might yeah, notice yeah. a few so things. Was, yeah, so there was, that was something very cool about a 956, the, the, the Bell Off 956 driven by Jochen Mass going around yeah. was pretty cool. Um, so the, the festival itself, I mean, the, the racing was absolutely electric, oh, wasn't unbelievable, it? Unbelievable, yeah. You know, um, I mean, as a driver, an utter nightmare. Yeah. But as a spectator, you didn't know where to look. There was yeah. that much going on. Well, so we, we were coaching Sarah Thompson again. Um, and in that category, you got three classes. So class one, two and three. Um, so it was a little bit manic with 34 cars on the grip, wasn't it? Because yeah. you've got quite a difference in speed with class one and class two compared to class three. Um, so Sarah had to really adjust because of her lack of experience. I mean, it's only her fourth meeting. Uh, she's done very limited track days. Now that's not really how we want it to be. Um, we normally would do a lot of training on sim, out on, actually out on track, do a lot of the psychological coaching. But unfortunately for her, she's got two jobs and she's training to be an accountant. So squeezing in trying to become a racing driver is is hard. Um, so she's having to do things a bit deep end, isn't she? Yes. A lot of the time. But to be fair to her, I mean, race one um, it was really, really hard for her, to be honest, um, emotionally, because she felt like she got beaten up a bit out there. And I did explain to her afterwards that you will if you let people you know just past and lay dead all the time people will see you coming and they will go for any move whether it's on or not because they'll just assume you jump out of the way so to really explain to her that you don't jeopardize even with lapping you don't jeopardize your own situation or you know risk your life or anything like that to let people through uh, you've got three corners three blue flags effectively and it's not like you want to sit in the way of course when being lapped but you've got to make sure that the move is on now the good drivers get through cleanly no issues at all it's when it gets further back in the field that it becomes a problem more in the class two towards about get a bit it? desperate yeah because yeah. the problem you've got of course if you've got if you're say you're third in class two so that means you're going to get a podium but fourth in class two is right on your case. Yeah. If you catch a back marker, you don't want to waste any time. Exactly. And of course, they, they you know, it's just they need. They it's just, just want to go round you, and they, they don't, you know. Yeah, it's learning. It gets the, a bit frantic, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, learning out how to line up a move, that kind of thing, and and for Sarah when to when to move over and when not to. But she really got her elbows out in the second race, didn't she? Uh, and and started to really understand dealing with so many cars around you and, and getting close and there being a bit of rubbing and touching and, and and you know love kisses on the car things like that and it's not to promote people pushing each other off nothing like that but you do have to get your elbows out because you don't want to get that reputation that you're too soft otherwise people will walk all over you that's just the nature of the sport mm. so probably like most sports in, in all honesty so good lesson for her but it finished on a real high she really enjoyed it in the end and she learned a lot so we're really pleased about that and we're doing a, a program now for Snetterton 
um, and also a winter program which will involve all sorts of stuff including sponsorship hunting as, as well which yeah. is always yeah. fun and games isn't yes, it to absolutely. say the least yeah, yeah. Um, so moving on to road cars then yes so um we don't need to spend a massive amount of time on this it's just interesting that these two things have happened kind of they're in the press at the moment yeah um which is lamborghini's final v12 yeah the um, aventador the aventador and uh, obviously this is so what is it i've got written here a six and a half litre v12 yeah <laughs> normally aspirated so because with with lamborghini that's what they're famous for and their v12s you know yeah. the countash and the muir and all those kind of, all probably you know V12s are what Lamborghini are all about. Yeah. And this is the last one. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a monster. Was it? it's, it's only 1,500 kilos, which is a, a kind of a lot and not a lot all at once for a modern yeah. car. And yeah. an Aventador's a big car. Oh, it is a big car. If you ever see an Aventador, I mean, boy, does that thing stand yeah. out. Yeah. Because it's quite long, isn't it? It is. It's a long car. And that's not much heavier than a Cayman, 1,500 yeah. kilos. Yeah, so they've yeah. done well to keep the weight down yeah. there. So it's, it's a real four -wheel monster drive as well. thing. But yeah, so unfortunately, it is going to be the final V12. So like a lot of manufacturers, they're, they're being restricted at the moment, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, they to find other ways around. Lambo like a special car, don't they? It's <laughs> the special edition. So yeah. there'll be another one. They've said, no, this is it now. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe. But as it stands, it, it is what it is. So 770 brake horsepower, naturally aspirated. Um, and it's around £300,000, which you'd expect with a Lambo. That's right, for a Lambo. Aventador Lambo well. Ferrari money, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, kind of sad to see, you know, that it's the last V12. Kind of reading about it made me feel a bit sad. But um, like I said, and I've said many times, Porsche are investing in a fully synthetic fuel with Formula One. So I've got my fingers crossed that um, it won't just all go to baby engines and turbos and electric and it's not that there's anything wrong with that but like yesterday those old cars coming out and how noisy they were oh yeah you know my my the hairs on the back of my neck were sticking up and i just you know my heart was beating and my, you know i had this massive grin on my face and and that's what i remembered as a kid and i think that's still such a big part of the sport for certainly for spectators but also for the drivers as well you know that noise you know it's such a big part of it part of the experience isn't it yeah so, um and so even yeah. more fundamental than that is lotus that have come out with what is going to be their last petrol engine car they're yeah. going all electric lotus yeah so i've got a couple of clients now that have ordered these i have think you? they've sold like hotcakes yeah yeah well that's what so lotus struggle they've always struggled because they go look at this and everybody goes uh, yeah but it's not a cayman is it <laughs> <laughs> so this is kind of their last kind of having a go at caymans really yeah um, so time like, will tell as to whether it does. Yeah, so last petrol Lotus after 60 years of making the cars as well. So, you know, that that's a, that's a big deal. But they've sold like hotcakes because they're about 60 grand. Um, yeah, you know, so right which, smack in the middle of the Caymans. Yeah, so it's not, I mean, it's a lot of money to me, don't get me wrong, but in the world of performance cars it's not a lot of money and um all the reviews i've heard is it's immense absolutely immense to drive um a true driver's car apparently has really nailed it so um certainly we'll be speaking to lotus so we can get hands on and we'll do an episode on the channel on that car yeah um hopefully a bit on road and track as well just so we get a chance to show the dynamics of it as well as obviously what it's like just general road driving too because i imagine this sort of car is probably going to get used on track days as well as sort of driving yeah, tours so, yeah. that kind yeah, of thing yeah. but yeah massively massively popular 
Um, so what have they done? What, 1,500 cars? That's, that's their output normally for a year across their entire range. Oh, is it? Yeah, so they you know, very, very low numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they're hoping that this is going to at least double that. Yeah. Because um, it's replaced everything. So it's replaced the Elise, it's replaced the Exige, yeah. and it's replaced the Evora. Yeah. So they've kind of stuck all their eggs into this one basket yeah. while they go down the electric route. And it actually looks like a really quite a cool car, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. The pictures of it. It's very, well, very clean design. I had a couple of clients saying, should I go for it? And I said, hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for 60 grand, um, you know, unfortunately I can't afford one, but for that kind of money and it being an end of an era, uh, Lotus do produce proper driver's cars. You, you can't doubt that. Mm. It's something that they do. But this one, they've now, in the fact that the quality of it is that little bit higher, which is why I think they've always struggled a little bit against the Cayman because of the quality element. Um, but I think they've really nailed that bit too. And the fact that'll be an end of an era, and not everybody's going to keep them to go up in value, but I do believe they will go up in value. And so it really is, you know, a, a car to talk about and a car to get your, your hands on if you can, really. Yes, yeah. Um, but you can see how the times are changing. You know, we're talking about Lambos, the last V12, you know, then with this Lotus going all electric, um, times are changing. But like I said, I've got my fingers crossed that this fully synthetic fuel that they're investing a lot of money in will we'll not get rid of electric or anything like that, but just will give us more solutions. Um, are more opportunities to have combustion engine cars that are green um, but also hybrids and, and full electrics as well so depending on the environment you're in ultimately mm. so so uh yeah we'll, we'll see on that one but uh yes we'll yeah. see so moving on to driving then we always like to talk a little bit about driving and, and give some tips um and quite often it comes out of what we've been doing that week of things that we think you know this is, we need to talk about this on the podcast. yeah a bit, because so. naturally you know working with a lot of drivers and a lot of things come up so it reminds you of sometimes even just some of the basics that and fundamentals that need to be you know go over really yeah yeah um so we thought initially um uh, we'd talk about balance and flow because in the past we have spoken about vision steering um timing weight movement and, and now it's sort of more about bringing it all together and getting ahead of the car isn't yes it? and it's one of the things so working with sarah um sarah's getting better and better on track but there's still as it would be with anybody certain points where the flow goes away um and a good example of that was coming into anybody that knows brands hatch paddock which is quite a daunting corner which is turn one basically turn one um because it's like falling off the end of the world you can't see where the road goes and it's a massive drop down hill um so of course the temptation is to stop the car where what you're trying to do there is to is to is brake but not to slow the car too much mm -hmm. to try and preserve that kind of flow through the corner and that takes quite a lot of practice and all the things that we talk about you're getting where you're looking how you're steering how you're managing the weight and everything else all is the real snapshot of that going on there isn't uh, it? absolutely because we're talking about all these things and now it's very much about bringing it together and getting ahead of the car so it's again that timing making sure everything works at exactly the right rate at the right time yes. um, and that's incredibly hard to do um, it's like working with Tim he's got so much knowledge he's read so many books so he understands a lot of the technical element but then actually doing it just like any sport is another thing isn't it it is yeah. um, and the great thing we're talking about balance and flow that can work on road or track yes. so I know we gave an example of Paddock Hill Bend 
but actually on the road I don't know if any of you have sat with drivers where everything's a bit jerky um, you know there's not much sort of rhythm to what's going on um, well ideally you want it to feel silky smooth flowing uh, whatever pace you're at everything every gear change be nice and smooth I know, understand a lot of people are in autos now but even the way you brake how you come off the brake your vision your steering inputs everything to be as smooth and flowing as possible so um, uh, for anybody who hasn't obviously listened to the previous podcast I'd suggest go back and listen to some of those um, also you can go on the Veloci driving channel we've done some little snippet um, we called them uh, driving gems didn't driving we gems, yeah. in lockdown that seems like um, a long time ago now it does uh, where we went through some of these things so the fundamentals and backbone of driving so also you can go on there and have a little look and then try and just bring it together once you're starting to get the techniques in place and it's starting to become a little bit more subconscious then start to try and work on that flow and rhythm ultimately yeah and it, it should slow things down in your mind and it creates time for you so like on the road you know you're getting ahead of of the car but you're also getting ahead of the environment so things aren't catching you out you've you've more time to deal with hazards and problems and setting yourself up and things like motorway driving you know where you you, you time your, your line lane changes so you don't get boxed in and things like that you know is all part of developing this bounce and flow yeah um so yes it, it's it talks about a lot on track but you can use it a lot on the road as well you know it's, it's we try and help people to understand that and to develop that don't absolutely we? so like with track it wants to feel like effortless speed i often tell people like it's, it should feel therapeutic, which sounds yeah, bizarre. That's right. yeah, because yeah, people yeah. think, how on earth could you driving at 10 tenths, can that be therapeutic? But you want to get into that rhythm where it really feels like that. And on the road, it's 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 about making good progress and timing your movements, let's say on the motorway, being ahead of the car all the time and making sure that you don't get, as you said, boxed in, that kind of thing, and, and really flow with everything that you do, whether it's a motorway, the country road whatever it is so like i say you can go back we're going to do a lot more stuff with the channel anyway but you can go back look at those or listen to the previous podcast um, and hopefully that just helps you think about bringing these things together a little bit more really um so moving on to motorsport obviously one of our favorite oh, subjects <laughs> So, um, well, there wasn't a huge amount on. There was obviously the F1, which was a massive event, and uh, FIA F3. Um, but away from that, there wasn't too much else going no, on, was, was there, really? Week, yeah, for everything um, else. So, F1 Dutch Grand Prix. So, first one since 1985. So, well, it's Nelson um, PK one, I think, I read somewhere. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, um, obviously, brilliant for Max Verstappen. I've never really seen... Um, so much support for one driver i don't think no, don't, well no. they follow track to track Senna, perhaps. And, uh, and but you know track to track as well you know, oh yeah no, they're of, there's an orange army everywhere they go absolutely uh, i think it's so cool um and I, I was very very impressed with how he dealt with that pressure because he's still a young guy i know he's getting more experience but it's the first time he's, he's really had to fight for a title in formula one where he's had a car quick enough um, so he's got that side and then going to the Dutch Grand Prix after so many years of it not existing on the calendar and then having all that pressure on your shoulders to perform. Because he's think, the reason there's a Dutch Grand Prix. Yeah, you know. yeah. And I, I thought he just did absolutely sensational. Mm. Just such a mature drive, to be honest, from start to end, from, you know, 
qualifying because he didn't have a big race. gap he didn't have a massive lead through the race did no he, you he know? was pushed the whole way really yeah, yeah and he just um, soaked it up really absolutely and zambor itself is an immensely technical track oh, so it's a lot it's more a hell old. of a bit of road isn't it absolutely <laughs> it's a lot more old school isn't yeah. it and so it's very it's more like an indycar track it's very up and down camber changes there isn't really much runoff, you know, you've got grass, walls, well. and you've got um, gravel, yeah. and it's really fast. Actually, Lewis said at the end of the race, it's one of his new favourite tracks. Did he? Is that what he said? Yeah. He missed that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that was interesting. So I think a it's lot like of It's like a roller coaster, you've got to turn any on boards. It's like this, these fast sweepers over things, uh, but they're absolutely pinned to the boards, you know. Abs absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, it's a mega track. So, um, yeah, if you ever get chance, do a track day on, on it. I did a, a race there and um you know i can only briefly remember some of it but um i remembered it being an incredibly you know twisty but fast fast circuit um so yeah it's certainly one to to go to and, and drive and it's right next to the beach as well so you could you could watch from a yacht or you, yeah. Could... <laughs> yeah. Or you could have a nice holiday at the same time um so yeah so yeah the drivers really loved it didn't they um, so we won't go through all the results and everything because you guys and girls are going to probably know that anyway. Um, we're going to just talk a bit more about the, the gossip of things, really, yeah. aren't we? Because to be fair, it wasn't the world's best F1 race, was it? it no, was, it the wasn't with, with the track it was, it, the, the overtaking wasn't easy. Yeah. Unless yeah. you were Sergio Perez, who overtook everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. And, and, and actually, um, Christian Horner mentioned that that uh, Perez did a, an outstanding he job. He got driver of the day, didn't he? Yeah, because he was very unlucky in qualifying with his whole backing up, finding space, you know, having to get your tyres at the right temperature, then go. And, um, yeah, he didn't get over the line in time. Cup, yeah. So, yeah. unfortunately, his time didn't count, uh, hence why he qualified so poorly. Um, so that was a big knock. So to come back from that um, and have that gritty determination well. um, well. and, and, and do that, I thought was astonishing. And I'm really glad they've signed him for another year because I do think you need consistency within a team. You know, chopping and changing drivers each year doesn't work. And, and Max is in his element at the moment. He knows the team so well. He's coming young. He's had chance to make mistakes, learn from them and mature as a driver. Um, so a lot of drivers coming in, you know, they have to deal with this huge pressure of Max Verstappen. Um, but I do believe Perez can do that. Um, I know there's still some work to do, but he's amazing in races. And I think yeah. that's what counts, a bit like Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso is not the best qualifier because he'll get the car set up for the race. And not quite often then outdoes Ocon in the races. Yes. Um, because that's how he makes well, it work. Well, it was funny because there was, there was uh, Ocon kept going off the radio and saying that Fernando's going too slowly because he was behind him. Yeah. So then they go to Fernando and said, um, Ocon says, you're going too slow. And he says, well, of course I'm going slow because I'm trying to preserve my tyres and go faster if you want. Mm. But <laughs> and of course, by the end of the stint, he then pulled away from Ocon because yeah. he was managing his tyres. Exactly. That's, that's the experience about... of the... Yeah, of the, absolute, of the old fox. <laughs> absolutely. And as anybody who listens or watches this will know, I'm a massive Alonso fan. And I think in the paddock, there aren't many people that aren't. Um, I know um, um, Lando Norris said he looked up to Alonso a lot in the fact what, what he did off the track just as well as on the track, you know. Um, 
and I think there's a huge amount of respect there um, for him and, vi and vice versa yes, as well. Yeah. So, um, and the other funny thing that happened in the race was was Valtteri Bottas, wasn't it? Where yeah. he stuck his two fingers up because they pitted him and he didn't know why they were pitting him, but he stood about changing his tyres because of the vibration. And he said, why have you pitted me? Just yeah. said it like that. Yeah. And he said, well, the vibration. So then he goes for a fastest lap. Yeah. And halfway around his fastest lap, they said, abort the fastest lap, Valtteri, and he kept his foot down. Yeah, he did. So Lewis had to come back in, new set of tyres, and do it on the last lap. And yeah. he just, just did it. Um, so that was but quite But I kind of thought, well, you know what, Bottas, I don't, I don't blame you because you've been a number two for a long time. Okay, you can look at it as he's not performed well enough. But like we know with... Um, with Sebastian Vettel and who was the Aussie driver, uh, Mark Webber. Oh yeah. You know, all came out in the wash, didn't it? Really, what it was like yeah. at Red Bull at the time in that situation. So we don't know really what's going on behind the scenes with Bottas and being treated like number two all the time. Is he getting really the identical car treatment and so on? You know. Um. So so yeah, I got, it kind of did make me chuckle a bit, really. But the other big talking point... Well, that leads on to this a bit, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly. Sticking point is where's Bottas going to go? Because with that move, what he did there made me think it's been confirmed he's out of a seat next year Yeah. Um, at Mercedes. So I think Russell's definitely got that seat, don't yes. you? But it's what happens next. Yeah. Because essentially what's happening is, for, as, as my, my reading of it, Russell's going to Mercedes, that's happening. Yeah. So that, but and Kimmy's retiring. So that leaves a seat at Alpha and a seat at Williams. Yeah. Now Williams and Alpha desperately want Alex Albon. Yeah. Because he's fast, he's got experience, yeah. uh, and he's been at Red Bull, so he knows how a top team works. So yeah. those two teams desperately, desperately want Albon. Yeah. What's happening is Toto is trying to place Valtteri somewhere. Yeah. And he's trying to place Nick De Vries, who's Mercedes Formula E yeah. champion. Yeah. Um, they're trying to place him but of course the, the Williams and, 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 and Alpha don't want those two <laughs> no, no. they want Albon yeah so and Christian Horner got all uh, excited about it because William Williams is the best place for me for Albon to go because yeah. I think Williams are on the up yeah absolutely um, but the trouble is he's a Red Bull contracted driver yeah. and of course Williams have got Mercedes engines now for me that Toto should have no say over that yeah because yeah. Williams are not Mercedes yeah they buy the engine and get the engines for yeah. free um, so of course he wants to stick De Vries in there is my reading of the situation yeah. really. But we've just like... won the Formula E championship. By yeah. way, for anybody who doesn't know, who is an amazing driver, but obviously would be a rookie in Formula One. Yeah. Whereas Albon, he really never got a shot. You know. Um, and they all know how good this... he is. All the teams know how good he is. Oh well, um, George Russell said he was one of his biggest competitors, and we know how good George Russell is. I just think it didn't work. He got thrown into that team, top team, too early. And 80% of performance is in your head. And I think, unfortunately, his head drops and everything was about Max and he fell apart, which is what we saw with Gasly um, as well. And look how amazing Gasly's done since yes. he's been out of that team. So I think, you know, a lot of the other teams know this and they know how good Alex Albon is and he deserves a seat in Formula 1. He really does. He didn't get He a went fair... in the DTM race, didn't he? Yeah. And just annihilated everybody. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's unbelievable and you just think it's not it's just not fair really. So I you know, so that, I think he that, he sorry. deserves a, a seat. Uh, Nick DeFries, I'd love to see him come in out, um because also a driver from Formula E into Formula 1 it'd be nice to see the transition what's that like. 
but at the same time, then where does Valtteri go? Well, Alfred said they don't want a rookie. Yeah. So they either want Albon or they want Bottas. Well, I think ultimately, like you say, if Albon could go to Williams because they're on the up and then Valtteri go, you know, goes the other way because um, that, that, that he has a lot of experience, he's in a top team, he'll have a lot of knowledge because Valtteri's a good driver and at times he's been able to beat Lewis. Again, I just think it's a mental game and it's just... It's just all a little too late, unfortunately, for him. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he should be out of Formula 1. Not, not at all. But uh, anyway. So we'll stop talking about Formula 1 because we could go yeah. on forever. We'll see as what always. happens this week with but, all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have our interactive questions. So I don't know if you want to read this out. It's yeah, so different this week. Yeah, so we, we want to get your thoughts, really. So yeah. um, essentially the world of cars and motor racing is changing a lot, as we all know. And... Various governments are kind of sending all the automotive industry down the electrification route. So we just wondered if you, what your thoughts are on whether that's here to stay, whether or whether it's the right answer, or you know what 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 do we think is going to happen exactly, next? Exactly. Is 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 electrics the only solution, or this fully synthetic fuel that could be? I do believe will come out. You know, if Porsche and Formula One are investing in that. There's no way that's going to be dropped. No. You know, but my opinion is that uh, I don't think electric should go, but I don't think it's the only solution. No, I think part electric, of the answer, I think. I think electric's great for cities, making the air cleaner. Uh, it'll be great for the taxis, buses, that kind of stuff. I don't think it's so good out of cities because of uh, the infrastructure that needs to be built. Well, what we've just done with going to Brands, you know, it's a 500 mile round trip well that would have been like six or seven stops you know <laughs> yeah but it also people need to think about these superchargers the power that comes out of them um what is it if, if you charge a take in 20 minutes it uses oh, more three, power than your house does in a month uh, three no, months three yeah. months yeah um you know so we've got to think about the environment in other ways with electric so but anyway that's obviously our opinion and i would love well we would for you for you to get in touch and give us your opinion on you know whether you think you know it, electric's here to stay whether you believe there will be an alternative or what the solution could be so yeah please get in touch we always enjoy reading your answers and things so uh yeah please get in touch with that um and i think that's really it isn't well, it that's for kind this. Of us done, um, yeah. so for anybody who hasn't seen it we did a special episode after le mans uh, with Richard Atwood, who won Le Mans in 1970 for Porsche, yeah. Porsche's first ever victory in, uh, in uh, Le Mans, but also he was a former form, former Formula One driver as well, um, and he obviously raced with some in, amazing people, big names of Iconic the sport, names, yeah. um, and has uh, a lot of stories to tell, let's say, so it's a very long podcast slash uh, it's a lovely interview video. though, isn't it? Because he just chatted, didn't he? Yeah, so um, we work with him, so we know him quite well. So we went to his rather grand house <laughs> um, and we filmed it there. We'll admit the quality of the video wasn't great, mainly because his house is quite dark because it's it's a very grand old house. Mm. Um, but it's either worth a listen or a watch, whichever way you want to do it. Um, yeah, so we decided to do that after Le Mans and get his thoughts on... Le Mans in general and um, of course his history and where he, he, he's come from really so we're going to go do some more uh, legend episodes with other uh, older drivers who 
have come from the past and talk about obviously the present and the future as well. Um, but we do also have some current very exciting drivers, engineers and things coming up. So um, they're all gradually getting scheduled in and then we'll announce them uh, as we go. So uh, thanks for listening um, and appreciate uh, for everybody who has been subscribing to the channel as well as the podcast. And hopefully uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Veloce Podcast, Fast and Fluid Conversation with Kat Impey and Richard Bob. Don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and never miss an episode of the Veloce Podcast.